GlacialUltimateSportsTalk.com radio studios. Good evening, everyone. I'm Dave Mitchell. Welcome to the Ultimate Sports Talk Show. I love shows like we have got going on tonight. Why? Because Roger Goodell is getting his comeuppance today, and we're going to get into more of that in just a little bit on tonight's show. But we've got a guest for you this evening, the NFLfemale.com beat writer for the Chicago Bears, Wanda Weidman, is our guest on tonight's show. We're going to talk to her about what's going on around the NFL, around the Chicago Bears, and tonight's NFL preseason finale between the Cleveland Browns and the Chicago Bears. And as I said, tonight is the last night for the NFL preseason games. You can reach out to us on the social media just simply by emailing me at dmitch at ultimatesportstalk.com and my Twitter address is at ohbbcohost. Tom Brady, well, he's going to get ready for the regular season thanks to Judge Berman in the NFL dispute. Cardell Jones is iffy for Monday night's Ohio State game against Virginia Tech. Dwight Howard, well, is he abiding by the phrase, have gun, will travel? And baseball has four weeks to go. All that coming up on tonight's show. But first... Is there another lead story other than this one? Tom Brady's four-game suspension from the NFL for his role in Deflategate has been nullified by the federal judge. Judge Berman in federal district court in Manhattan did not rule on whether Brady tampered with the footballs in his bid for a competitive advantage. Instead, he focused on the narrower question of whether the collective bargaining agreement between the NFL and the Players Union gave Commissioner Roger Goodell the authority to carry out the four-game suspension and whether Brady was fr- treated fairly in his attempt to have his suspension overturned. Judge Berman, in a 40-page decision, found several significant legal deficiencies in the NFL's case, ruled that Brady was not treated fairly and could not be suspended for deflating footballs because he was not aware such misconduct could lead to the kind of punishment he received. Matter of fact, the only person that knew he could be receiving that kind of punishment was Roger Goodell because all of this was contrived in Roger Goodell's own mind. Judge Berman took the NFL to task for not having a fair process in place of Tom Brady to appeal his four-game suspension. Why? Because Roger Goodell, in his own mind, thinks that he's the judge, jury, and executioner of the NFL. Judge Berman said that Tom Brady may not have ended up making the decision correctly, but that this was going to cast reverberations for the NFLPA, perhaps on how the league conducts business in these matters moving forward. CBS Sports' Jason LaCanfora reports on the ruling. This is certainly a blow for the NFL. It's one that the league may try to mitigate in the future through an appeal. That's generally been the case here. But regardless, Judge Berman takes some heavy blows at the NFL's version of due process 
what is and is not considered a fair policy in determining appeals and having certain rights, laws of the shop, if you will, that would apply to any appeals case, regardless of some specific language in the CBA. Basically, Berman is saying on three major counts, Brady was not giving his rights any sort of due process or fairness by the league, specifically that he was given no awareness that any discipline of this magnitude could come down. Players aren't given the game day manual. Players aren't privy to certain documents that are sent annually to coaches and general managers. At some points, Ted Wells said that, hey, you're not going to be penalized if you turn over, if you don't turn over certain emails or text. Uh, clearly, Judge Berman had significant problems with this idea that now not complying fully can be tantamount to the degree of a suspension that equates roughly to what someone would get for a PED uh, violation. He had major issues with that, the judge did. Secondly, the NFL made a huge miscalculation in not making Jeff Pash, their chief legal counsel, who was the co-chair of the Wells Report, along with Ted Wells, available for cross-examination. Uh, this is something that Berman writes about at length. And as I've chronicled for quite some time now, the very fractured relationship between Patriots owner Bob Kraft and Pash will probably only fracture further based on this ruling. That's something to keep an eye on as the NFL continues to bring other people into Roger Goodell's inner circle. And then finally, there were instances where the judge believes the NFLPA should have been privy to specific notes, uh, certain evidence, uh, things that the NFL did not turn over through its appeal process with Roger Goodell that Berman felt like uh, were absolutely necessary for Brady to be able to have a full awareness to then be able to counter certain arguments and claims made against him. Where does it go? Again, probably uh, continuing in the court cycle. At least that has been the way to this point. But you look at this through the prism of Bounty Gate, which was a failure of the NFL. You look at what they originally alleged and what Paul Tagliabue ultimately said as the appeals officer there. It's two different things. Um, obviously, the league took its lumps uh, from court rulings in Adrian Peterson case as well as Ray Rice. Uh, and we'll see what's next. Does this influence the NFL to continue to put other people around Roger Goodell and maybe ultimately change the way it handles discipline matters like this in the future? The fact that Goodell remains judge, jury, and executioner to the eyes of the court could be an ongoing problem. You did not have to be the smartest guy in the room to know what Judge Berman was telling the NFL, and especially Roger Goodell and their legal team, what to do here. You did not have to realize that Judge Berman wasn't giving them some veiled threat. He was being as transparent as humanly possible. He was telling the NFL and Roger Goodell, settle this thing. Do whatever it is that you've got to do. Figure it out and get me off the hook here because you're not going to like how I'm going to rule. But Roger Goodell was as arrogant as ever. He was as arrogant as he's ever been. The NFL took a stand against Tom Brady for whatever reason. They took a stand against Tom Brady and said, you either agree that the Wells report was correct or we 
are not going to settle. Tom Brady took the stand that I'm not going to agree that the Wells report was correct. I've got nothing to agree with that on, and I am not going to say that I am guilty. Roger Goodell, for whatever reason, has decided that Tom Brady is his line in the sand. The NFL will obviously appeal this. There's no doubt. The NFL is going to appeal this. They've already come out and said they're going to appeal this. But they are not going to try to get Tom Brady to miss the first four games of the year. This is going to go on throughout the 2015-16 season. It's going to continue. Every game New England plays, it's going to be the topic of conversation as far as Roger Goodell and Tom Brady is concerned. But for some reason, Roger Goodell has decided to stick all of his eggs in one basket. Why? I have absolutely no idea why. Nonetheless, this is the way it is. And Judge Berman has decided that Tom Brady does not have to serve that four-game suspension. But Roger Goodell, here we go again. You know, I always get a kick out of interviewing somebody from the NFLfemale.com because they are so passionate about their teams and they are so knowledgeable that it's fun to have them on the air. Last week I had Kate Arhart. This week we're going to talk about the Chicago Bears, who the Browns are taking on tonight, and we're going to welcome to our Ultimate Sports Talk microphones Wanda Weidman from NFLfemale.com, who is the Chicago Bears beat reporter for that website. Wanda, thanks for joining us here tonight. How are you? I'm good. It's my pleasure to join you tonight. Oh, this is going to be great. We're going to talk about the Bears, but first of all, I guess I have to ask you about your impressions of Judge Berman's ruling on the Tom Brady-Roger Goodell case. Are you about as sick of hearing about this as I am? I'm so done with this whole deflate gate. Um, you know, the, the decision was, was made. It was not a surprise. Um, you know, it, 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 the way that it was going to go about, but, um, you know, uh, the decision was made, uh, they, they have to move on. I, I believe that this really opens up a lot of changes for the NFLPA that they need to make some changes and basically not have Goodell be the ultimate final say. So there, there's going to have to be some changes there, but, you know, now, now we can move on and, and focus on football and, and uh, and see if uh, the Patriots can be dethroned. You know, I am not the biggest fan of Roger Goodell in the world. Obviously, you know, some of the things that I've said about him over the past few months have been, I guess, not exactly the most uh, complimentary things you could say, but could this judge have been any more transparent by telling, you know, the, the NFL that they needed to try to negotiate out a settlement on this thing, could he could he have been any more plain? I mean, he was he was basically like begging him, "Come on, do 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 what you need to do. Let's get this settled. Let's get this out of the court systems and and do the compromise." If if Brady says, "Hey, I'm willing to take the the one game suspension," then take the suspension, get it done, and 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 you're you're it's a win win either way. But it, you know, it, it was just at, at the point where the judge is saying, this really is ridiculous that you have this going at this point, and now you're going to leave it up to me to make the decision, so here it is. You know, Wanda, the NFL, I guess I should say Goodell, had it in his head that any type of settlement had to include 
Tom Brady admitting that the the entire uh, report, the Wells report, was correct. Well, I guess my whole attitude was, how could Tom Brady admit that the Wells report was correct when the Wells report didn't even say that Brady knew 100% what was going on? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And and in Brady's case, he 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 portrayed himself as, look, you know, I, I had no idea that this was going on. And and Goodell was banking on the cell phone issue that he destroyed the cell phone. Um, but when you look at the court reports, you you see that it was mentioned that Brady's um, passing improved after they reinflated the ball. So, you know, you, you look at it and you go, okay, what is Goodell trying to get, you know, what what was his point in trying to push an admission from, you know, from Brady? That was never going to happen, and everyone knew it was never going to happen. And so it was it was just an easier thing as if they just settled it, got it over with, got it done with, and took the one-game suspension, let it go, and be, you know, and, and, and let's move on. Um, but, you know, they decided to drag it on, and now it's really put a bad, impression on the NFL and on Goodell. Well, uh, as far as I'm concerned, any bad publicity for Roger Goodell is good publicity for the NFL. But that, <laughs> that being yeah, said, exactly. let, let's move forward and talk about the final night of the preseason schedule. And the Browns are going to be taking on the Chicago Bears. And you're the beat reporter for the Chicago Bears. They were 5-11 and a year ago under Mark Trestman. They bring in a new coach and John Fox, who was with Denver. But let's talk about what he has brought forward to this Bears team that Mark Trestman couldn't. Talk a little bit about the change in philosophy that's going on with the Bears under John Fox. You know, the, the, the philosophy with, with Fox is, you know, we're, we're, going to, we're going to play and we're going to put together a team that, that coexists with each other and accepts each other's strengths. And we're going to work on each other's strengths. With with Tressman, you know, Tressman was, you know, more of an offensive coordinator than he was a head coach. And right off the bat, there was just there was a disconnect with Tressman and the players. But once John Fox got into Hallis Hall, it was like the light bulb came on for these players, and they had this tremendous hope, like, you know, we can be a winning team. And so they, they, they now started off on, on, on the training camp with swagger saying, Hey, we can do this. We've got somebody that believes in us and in our abilities, but he's going to be a non, a no nonsense coach. He's going to be a coach that's going to come about and, and say, Hey, each one of you guys have to play for your position. There's, there's no, you know, here's the favorite. Here's, you know, if you don't play and you don't do what you need to do, you're expendable. And that's what he's produced right off the bat, where with Tressman, Tressman was so um, inconsistent. And in, 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 I think the biggest mistake Tressman made was separating the locker room and, and, and putting, you know, quarterbacks with running backs and, 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 and linebackers with uh, wide receivers. And, and that just didn't mesh. Uh, Fox brought that back, where they got to be linebackers with linebackers and, and quarterbacks with quarterbacks, and, and they got to develop a relationship again and trust each other and know what they needed to do. So I think the biggest thing that Fox brought in there is is a, a team that can build strong together 
um, as a unit to win, and and that's their big thing because they they left last season with their heads hanging so low that they just didn't care anymore. Wanda Weidman, the beat reporter for NFLfemale.com for the Chicago Bears, is our guest on tonight's Ultimate Sports Talk Show. Wanda, last year John Fox had absolutely no doubt who his quarterback was in Peyton Manning. Mark Trestman never really seemed to buy into Jay Cutler being the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Has John Fox bought into Jay Cutler? I think John Fox has... He hasn't bought into Jay Cutler. He's he's looking to see who's the better quarterback that that's going to, you know, to work with this team. He's he's on a trial basis. In in Fox is not one. He's not one of those coaches that's going to be booted out and pushed out as as so many have said that Cutler was responsible for with all the other head coaches and all the other offensive coordinators. Um, you know, they've signed Fox on for, for several years. And he's not going to be booted out because he's a winning coach. So Cutler is basically it, at the mercy of John Fox. And, and that's where the job is going to be and where it's, where it's going to land. So um, he hasn't bought into him. He's giving him an opportunity to play for his job. And if he doesn't do that, then they're going to look elsewhere come next season. Well, one of the possible successors to Jay Cutler is the same possible successor in Cleveland, and that is the guy in Washington that everybody seems to be talking about now, RG3, who he doesn't even have to be on the field, Wanda, does he, to cause some controversy all over the NFL. It's in Washington, it's in Cleveland, it's in Chicago. What do you think about the possibility of him possibly going to the Bears? I don't see that at all. I don't see it at all. Mainly because Fox is going to look, he's going to look for somebody that, that is going to have a strong rapport with his receivers and with his team. Um, RG3 is so up and down. It's, it's so hard to, to say what, what really happened, what really went on in Washington and the relationship that he had with Gruden. Um, but, you know, I think a big thing is his contract. Uh, I think it's going to be an issue because, you know, he's got, he's got that, Three mil that is um, guaranteed, and then he has an additional three mil in in bonus. And so, you know, right off the bat, is he's going to walk off with with six million just sitting on the bench. But then he's got another, I think it's another um, uh, three mil that is on um, or sixteen actually. It will be with an injury guarantee for two thousand sixteen. So I don't think the Bears would, would jump at that and want to pay that when they can use that and whatever cap that they're going to have next year for a quarterback that might be available um, or one that's out of the draft, uh, depending on how, of course, how well uh, Jay Cutler does this, this season. Well, what's your gut feeling on Jay Cutler? Is he going to be able to respond and, and be the type of quarterback that – everybody thinks he could be or is he just going to be what you see is what you get well what what i've seen so far really looks like he is making the attempt i mean to have no turnovers through preseason um and in uh, in training camp is impressive enough um but he's got so many tools um that 
for him to fail at this point is going to be a huge um, blemish on his his potential to be a starting cornerback anywhere. He's going to wind up being a backup if he he tanks this year. So my impression is, so far he's looked good. He's 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 doing his his uh, uh, his best in in you know getting rid of the ball when he needs to. But I did see in this past uh, third, you know, uh, preseason game um, that he, with the Bengals, um, that uh, he missed a couple of, of opportunities when he could have thrown it to um, Mark Mariani uh, when he was open and he missed them because he wanted to try to get in in a tight window. Uh, that's one of the things he really, really needs to clean up is, is forcing the ball just if, if you can't do it, there, if there's a guy that's coming across the slot, take him. Do what, you know, if you got to move the short pass, then do the short pass and, and get it, you know, down the field and work down the field. Cause that's pretty much a lot of what Andy Dalton showed in, in uh, the Bengals uh, game. And when he did that, he, they, they marched down the field in 16 plays. And that made the, the Bears defense look ridiculous. So, you know, there, there's a lot that, that Jay can do, and he has the ability to do it. And so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I think the, the, the key factor is going to be the Green Bay game, first game of the season, how he does against Green Bay. If, if he goes back to his old ways, then you can guarantee the rest of the season is going to go downhill from there, and, and Cutler will be out by next season. Well, what is the alternative for the Bears this year if he just goes back to the old Jay Cutler? Well, if they go to to uh, uh, Clawson, um, you know, they bench Cutler oh and they go to Clawson, and you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> then then you kind of like back to square one. So, um, you know, I don't know, but they did wind up getting, uh, I think, a Dysert they just got from the Broncos, and Dysert uh, he. He's played in Adam Gase's system, so he knows uh, the system. He's played under John Fox. Who knows? He might su- surprise. So I, I, I would expect to see him in, in this game against the Browns to see how he does. And uh, if he, he comes out strong, I mean, they both Clawson and Cutler are going to have to look over the shoulder um, because Fox is going to go with who he knows it's going to work. You know, Kevin White was their number one draft pick uh, at the wide receiver position. How has he looked during the preseason, and what do you expect out of him this year? He looked really good. Uh, he looked like he was developing a relationship with, uh, you know, with uh, Cutler and all the other uh, quarterbacks, and especially with Jimmy Clausen. He looked like he was really getting um, uh, his groove and getting his um, uh, his momentum going. Uh, unfortunate, you know, uh, situation with that shin fracture and. Um, but he looks like the type of young man that's going to work, you know, from where he came from, uh, I think he's going to really work hard in his therapy and his progression. And he's going to be ready, hopefully by, uh, game, you know, eight of what they're talking about, maybe game nine and may be able to, um, uh, come up and, and, uh, do something with the bears and have, uh, that, addition in the in the wide receiver rank so i think he's going to be very promising for this. i think i think it was a good choice personally i would have you know i was going for uh danny shelton um for the draft um but they went you know with a wide receiver so uh thank heavens you know it, uh, yeah <laughs> exactly so 
<laughs> so you know, he he. Um, I think he's he's really gonna. Um, he's he's gonna be one of those star guys that's gonna come out, and he's gonna he's gonna blow um, the receiving core both with a tandem between him and Alshon Jeffrey. I think that he's gonna do uh, very well. He's just got to be given that opportunity once the injury is healed and he's up and running. Wanda Weidman, the Bears beat reporter for NFLfemale.com, our guest tonight on UST. Wanda, is Matt Forte, is he Mr. Old Reliable for the Bears? Is that who they're going to hang their hat on as far as the running game is concerned this year again? Yeah, I, I believe so, because he's an all-back. So, you know, so he, he can do, you know, the, the receiving part. He can do the running. You know, he didn't do as much as he he wanted to last season, but... Uh, a lot of that had to do with Tressman not not pushing on the running game. Um, so uh, Fox, being that he is an, an all grounds type of guy, he, he's going to push the running game. And I think of you know as long as the offensive line gives him um, you know six inches of daylight and give him that opportunity to run out there, Forte will be all over that field, and he's going to have you know his uh, uh, over one thousand you know yards this season. But um, you know, he, he's the guy and he's going to, you know, they're going to hang his hat on him and, and then they're going to go from there to see what the, what the, uh, contract is going to look like next year. But if Jer- Jeremy, um, Langford, uh, does well in, in Keys Rogers, uh, yeah, I don't know if they're going to resign Forte. I mean, as much as I'd love Forte to, to stay there, um, they're going to, they're going to, they look like they're going for the younger crowd. So. Um, you know, if I were Forte, I would be playing my rear end off and, and hopefully either they pick him or another team takes him. How about the retirement of Lance Briggs? Are you surprised about that or is that something that is, was expected? No, I'm not surprised at that. I, I'm not surprised at that because, you know, he, you know, once, once he was, he was released from the, from the Bears and, you know, he wasn't really getting a lot of, um, bites, uh, out of the league. Um, and, and I think he's just, you know, kind of like the same situation as with Erlacher. He just kind of had this this time of, you know, I'm kind of done, and and I'm glad that he got, you know, a, a position as, uh, you know, a Bears analyst with uh, CSN. So, you know, it, it looks like, you know, he he's still he's still in it, um, and he's still representing the Bears. And I'm more more thrilled that he's retiring as a Bear. Um, he has such a such a great uh, um, uh, history. In how he's played with the Bears, and as a seven-time Pro Bowler, you know it, it's just time to hang up those cleats and and move forward. Wanda, you know, throughout the the history of the Chicago Bears, they've always been a tough defensive team when they've been a winner, and they've always been that four-three defense. But now they're going with the three-four. That's almost sacrilege, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, you know, the, 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 the 3-4, it, it, it affords the flexibility for them, um, you know, and where they, where they align and, 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 you know, pressure in the standpoint and their, uh, you know, it gives that, they've got that, uh, dif- that different type of, um, scheme with it, um, uh, because it's like a hybrid scheme that, that they've got going. They've got a mixture of the two. They've got the mixture of the 3-4 and some of the 4-3. So it's a hybrid type of thing that, that they've got going and, and maybe it's something that's gonna, you know, that's gonna work for them, but something had to change with that. And you know, it's just after a while, like in, like in anything that you do, if you, if you just continue the same thing over and over again, you just kind of lose your taste for it. 
And so maybe this might be what's going to kickstart the Bears and, and get them into a, a different type of defense that, that maybe it was time they needed to move on from, from the 85 Bears, you know, and, and kind of, kind of go and, and get their own different type of, uh, identity in the defense. And, and, uh, and hopefully this is, this is going to work. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sold out on, on Shea McKellen, McClellan for anything at this point. Um, and, and especially being in, in, in the position where he's, he's, uh, leading the linebackers, uh, you know, the, the Bengals game where he was, uh, running after, uh, Burke, uh, Burkhead. He would, he didn't even turn that round once to look at the ball. And that's like a, Football 101, no, you need to turn around, look at the ball, see where the ball's coming from mm-hmm. to stop it and or catch it, do something. But, you know, so to me it shows you there's still such an inexperience there and we're lacking in that area. We don't have the Erlacher replacement that, that we so desperately need. But, you know, with the combination of this, this hybrid, it, it gives them a chance to try to focus more on, on a pass rush and, and uh, hopefully, you know, that'll do something. But, you know, do I want my Monsters of the Midway to come back? Sure. Is it going to work in the Fangio scheme? Who knows? Um, we'll, we'll just have to see how, how it plays out. But, yeah, it was, it was, it was a tough, uh, tough thing to look at with, with going from a, from a 4-3 defense to a 3-4. So. Wanda, the NFC North, is Green Bay the team to beat in that division? And where can you see the Bears ultimately finishing? Uh, you know, yeah, Green Bay is the team to beat. I think who's biting at their heels is going to be Minnesota, um, because, uh, Teddy Bridgewater is, he, he's, he's a silent guy, but he's very good at, at what he's doing. He's connecting very well, uh, with his receivers and in, in, uh, um, moving in the pocket and rolling out when he needs to. So he's a, you know, I, I think he's, he's an underdog in this. Um, the Bears, Again, it's hard to say. I would like to see, you know, I, I would expect the Bears to hopefully finish realistically in an eight and eight, um, this season. But again, it's hard to, it's hard to say what the ceiling is going to be until you see what happens in game one against Green Bay against a team that is, you know, that, that has always been the thorn in the side of the Bears. And so it's, it's going to depend on how that game plays out. I'm hoping they're not going to be the last in the division like last year and what they're predicting again. So I'm, I'm my my hopes are they're they're gonna they're gonna be in the in the uh, heels, biting the heels of, of Green Bay this year. Wanda, from somebody who's way away from Cleveland, from the <laughs> outside looking in, what is the reaction and the thoughts about the Browns this year? I'm going to flip it and. Let you tell me what what are your thoughts about the Browns and where have they always gone wrong? They've gone wrong when it's come to their quarterback situation. <laughs> I don't know what is going on there. Good grief! I mean, I was literally I, I could not I could not understand why they went with Manziel when you had all these oh. other quarterbacks that were available in the draft that they could have grabbed, and the fact that they that they they went farther down and then. Took Manziel, I was just my mouth was on the floor. I needed a drink. I'm not a I'm not a Manziel. Yeah, I'm not a Manziel fan at all. And and I knew from the get go that once he went to the first year, it was going to be a 
an immature young man uh, starting off with money in his pocket. And sure enough, I, I, I was not wrong. Now he's got to learn from this mistake. Now they're sitting there saying, okay, he's changed his ways. Whatever. He's got to prove his character. He's got to prove his ability to do it. Is he your guy's franchise guy? Absolutely not. No. I don't think he is your franchise quarterback whatsoever. I think the, the Browns can do a much better job in getting someone who is, is uh, uh, going to prove that, <clears throat> that the Browns team is worth uh, worth playing for, worth fighting for, worth getting into, you know, a playoff position. Um, you know, I think uh, I think the uh, general manager of of the Browns is is just sinking that team if they don't get someone else in there that uh, that um, knows what they're doing. You know, one, once the Bears got rid of uh, you know Jerry Angelo and got rid of Phil Emery, and now they got Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace's his focus is putting together a winning team. That's what a GM needs to be doing. And and I just don't see that in Cleveland. These guys just keep taking, you know, three steps backwards. You take one step forward and three steps back and it's like, you know, it's 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 the it's the sorry Browns. <laughs> you know, it's just like the underdog team that you want to somehow see there be some type of, you know, cuz you had some talent there. And it's just so sad that it was just not being used. Wanda, let me put it into focus for you. Even if they had made that trade for Sammy Watkins with Buffalo, they could have had Odell Beckham Jr., Teddy Bridgewater, Danny Shelton, and Cam Irving. But instead, they've got Manziel, they've got Justin Gilbert, and still the same bunch that they've got. So, yeah, I agree with you. It has been nothing but a joke. I love the coach, can't stand the GM, can't stand the owner. So I agree exactly with where you're coming from. Wanda, tell us what your Twitter address is. It is, uh, it's, uh, Wanda W63. Just make sure everybody follows me. You know, I'm usually talking about the, the Bears and other different things of football because I just love football, period. Um, it doesn't matter what team. I, you know, I, I, you won't find me, uh, ragging on teams. Um, I like to find the best out of every team. So, um, just give me a follow and then I'll, uh, have a conversation with you. Wanda Weidman's been our guest from NFLfemale.com. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you, Dave. Our thanks to Wanda Weidman for being our guest here this evening on the Ultimate Sports Talk Show. A lot of games going on tonight around the NFL. The last preseason night in this regular season agenda. And games that are already underway, well, there are four of them and one that is getting set to kick off right now. Games around the NFL underway right now. The Bengals are at the Indianapolis Colts. Philadelphia is in New York taking on the Jets. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in Miami to play the Dolphins. The Packers are entertaining the Saints. And the Baltimore Ravens are in Atlanta to play the Falcons. Now, a couple of games, actually there are four games that are kicking off right now around the NFL. The Buffalo Bills are in Detroit taking on the Lions. The Giants will be at the Pats. The Panthers are in Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. And the Jaguars are at the Redskins. 8 o'clock kickoffs, well, there are four of those going on. The Vikings will be at the Titans. The Chiefs are at the Rams. The Texans are at the Cowboys. And the Browns are playing in Chicago against the Bears. Johnny Manziel is not playing tonight for the Browns. Terrell Pryor will, and will Terrell Pryor 
make the Browns opening day roster? That is a very good question. It depends upon how he plays tonight for the Browns. This is his first opportunity to play an NFL game at the wide receiver position. He's missed the previous three games for the Browns. Why? Because he's got that hamstring injury. But he is going to try to gut it out tonight and play and see just where he ends up where the with the Browns in this game. A 9 o'clock kickoff. Well, the Cardinals are in Denver taking on the Broncos. And at 10 o'clock, the final two games, the Chargers are in San Francisco to play the 49ers, while the Raiders are in Seattle to take on the Seahawks in that game. It is college football time in the country. Believe it or not, it just seemed like a few days ago that the Ohio State Buckeyes won the national championship beating Oregon. Well, on Monday, the Buckeyes will be entertaining, or I should say on the road, to play Virginia Tech. But before that happens, there's a lot of college football action going on around the country. Let's take a look at the games that are happening tonight around the country where the Alcorn State squad will be playing number 16 Georgia Tech. These are top 25 college football games. And in the other game tonight, it will be TCU, number two in the country behind Ohio State. Ohio State, the first unanimous selection as number one in the history of the Associated Press poll. They will be on the road, TCU, on the road to take on Minnesota. In other games tonight, Texas San Antonio will be at number 22, Arizona. Now, an unranked team tonight, well, Michigan and their new coach, Jim Harbaugh, will be playing at Utah. Adam Shine of CBS Sports previews the game between Michigan and Utah this evening. I can't wait. This is amazing. It's great for Michigan fans. Simply fantastic. For college football, you know, this entire offseason has been about Harbaugh, his tweets, his khakis, and most especially Jim Harbaugh changing the culture of Michigan, bringing it back to its glory. And I can't wait. I can't wait to watch this season unfold. Can tomorrow get here already? The two biggest stories in college football, think about it, Michigan and Ohio State. How great is that? And this rivalry is back, baby. I I can't get enough now. There are some people who will say, house is money year for Harbaugh. You know who's not going to say that? Jim Harbaugh. Don't tell Jim Harbaugh that. You know, you see the bio from Michigan last year. Look at the record. Look at the record in the Big Ten. You know, they lost a lot of close games. Personally, I think Michigan's going to be pretty good. They lost a lot of games that they were in it for four quarters. Look at how Harbaugh turned around San Francisco, the 49ers, in year number one. Honestly, I love Harbaugh. I love this guy. I love Harbaugh being Harbaugh. He knows who the quarterback is, whether it's going to be Jake Runnick or Shane Morris. He, he knows. The players know. But in classic Jim Harbaugh fashion, he won't tell the media. Oh, I love this guy. 
He's one of the best coaches in all of sports. I, I am obsessed with Jim Harbaugh. He's one of the best personalities in all of sports. I am obsessed with Michigan football. I think this hire was brilliant. And in three years, Michigan will be competing for a national title, if not sooner. I have absolutely no doubt that will be the case. I really do. I think Jim Harbaugh was an excellent pick by the Michigan Wolverines. They couldn't have done any better had they gone out and hired Urban Meyer. Jim Harbaugh is a natural to coach the University of Michigan. I think it will be fun because Michigan and Ohio State will now mean something again. It will be a national championship contending football game. Maybe not this year, but next year at the earliest, it will be a national championship ball game coming up between the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. Now, what else is happening around college football and top 25 action for the rest of the weekend? Tomorrow night, there are three games going on. Number four, Baylor, will be playing Southern Methodist. Michigan State, number five in the country, will entertain the University of Western Michigan. And tomorrow night also, Boise State, number 23 on the year, will entertain the Washington Huskies. Matter of fact, that that game will be an excellent ball game between those two schools. Now on Saturday, here's what's happening in top 25 college football. Number nine, Georgia will entertain Louisiana Monroe. Number 21, Stanford, will be at Northwestern. Wolford is at number 12, Clemson. Number 17, Ole Miss, will play the University of Tennessee at Martin. Louisville is at number 6, Auburn. Texas El Paso will be at number 18, Arkansas. A couple of other games. Number 13, UCLA, will play Virginia. Number 25, Tennessee, is at Bowling Green. It is number 24, Missouri, entertaining Southeast Missouri State. Akron is at number 19, Oklahoma. In other games around the country, in top 25 action, number 15, Arizona State, will be at Texas A&M. And Texas will be at number 11, Notre Dame. Elsewhere around College football, top 25 action on Saturday. Number 14, LSU, will be at McNeese State. And number 10, Florida State, will be playing Texas State. Also on Saturday, it is number 3, Alabama, entertaining number 20, Wisconsin. That's the only game on the schedule between teams, two teams in the top 25. Alabama taking on Wisconsin. And Eastern Michigan will be at number 7, Oregon. Also on Saturday, rounding out the schedule, it will be Southern California, the number 8 team in the country, playing Arkansas State. The final game of the weekend, it will be at 8 o'clock on Monday night on ESPN, and that will have number 1, Ohio State, on the road. They're a 14-point favorite against Virginia Tech. We all know what happened a year ago. It was Virginia Tech upsetting the Buckeyes in the shoe in Columbus, and that really spearheaded the Buckeyes to the national championship. Little did they know at the time, but it did. They were coming off a victory over Navy. JT Barrett was in only his second game as a starter for the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes lost that game, went to 1-1. One one. They ran through 
the rest of the schedule to win the national championship. What's going to happen this year? Well, the Buckeyes are going into this game with several players suspended. And who's going to be quarterback? Cardell Jones was released from the hospital earlier today after going into the hospital last night with a migraine headache in which he couldn't even move. Will he play on Monday night? It's a big question mark. The CBS insider crew of Randy Cross, Byron Smith, and Rick Neuheisel all take a look at Monday's game at 8 o'clock on ESPN between Ohio State and Virginia Tech. They came out like a bear defense mm-hmm. right last year, and they forced one-on-one blocking. Right. And they stormed the A and the B gap, the inside two gaps of the offense for Ohio State, clogged them up. They couldn't adjust because they were forcing the one-on-one pass blocking. I don't know if they can do that again, but Lane Stadium at night is going to be a crazy place to play. You're right about that bear defense, but we also have to factor in the fact that Ohio State was a shell of what it would become later on in the season. This was a team trying to find itself, although it just won its first ball game of the season versus Navy. So they got better. They were so green on that O-line. They didn't know who the running back was going to be. And Vitek really got after them. JT Barrett, we barely knew his name, guys. And then he became a Heisman Trophy contender. So it's going to be, it's going to be imperative that that defense stands up because there's a weight disparity. You look at this offensive right. line for Ohio State. They Average about 305. That defensive line, 258 for Vitek. I, I think Bud Foster will have another trick up his sleeve. For, besides, uh, besides, besides the <laughs> double eagle, the bear defense that he had a year ago, which, by the way, players. JT Barrett was still wet behind the ears, didn't yeah. have any answers for what to do, and they couldn't chalk it up at halftime. Urban, Urban takes full accountability for that. This particular season, I think the quarterback at Ohio State has to be JT Barrett. That's in my own opinion because they lost Devin Smith. Devin Smith was their downfield threat. Uh, Noah Brown's also hurt. Yep. They lost Here. him in training camp. To me, for them to be dimensional, to make Virginia Tech play honest defensively, they have to be able to uh, get to the edges. And JT Barrett's legs, assuming that he's fully healthy, is the guy that has the speed to do that. Cardell is a formidable guy in the pocket and certainly can run downhill, but I think Virginia Tech has a great defense coming back. And if they can corral him without his ability to throw down the field and have somebody make those miracle catches we saw time and time again with Devin Smith, I think it could be a long night for the Buckeyes. There's no question it could be. And I think that the reason that Ohio State won the national championship last year was because they lost to Virginia Tech. We talked about JT Barrett and how young he was. There were four new starters on that offensive line. And when you had overload blitzes, they would slide left, bam, they'd get hit from the right side. Then they'd compensate and slide to the right, bam, they get. Nobody knew what was coming or going. The difference, I think, this year is going to be Ed Werner's offensive line and those four returning starters. They're going to run the football. Ezekiel Elliott had eight touches in that game a year ago. That will not be the case when they play Virginia Tech no. this year because you got to bring your defense and you got to run the football when you're on the road, and Ohio State will learn its lesson. And they're down a couple of the H-backs, so Braxton Miller's position switch could pay huge dividends right. in this game. Mm-hmm. And even Torrance Gibson, a freshman quarterback who's been taking wide receiver reps as well. As much as we want to see Terrell Pryor playing wide receiver for the Browns tonight, we want to see Braxton Miller playing H-back slash wide receiver for the Buckeyes on Monday night. It is Ohio State at Virginia Tech, 8 o'clock, Monday night, ESPN, and then Saturday night in Alabama, it's Wisconsin taking on the Crimson Tide and Nick Saban's Alabama Crimson Tide. That is Saturday night at 7.30. Two big college football games coming up this weekend around 
the country. Should be very entertaining as college football returns this weekend. Four weeks to go in the Major League Baseball season. October 6th is when the playoffs will begin, and we are on September 3rd. And Vin Scully said Saturday that 2016 will be his final season in the broadcast booth for the Dodgers, which will mark the end of his 67-year tenure with the same franchise. He's going to turn 88 in November. He currently calls all nine innings of home games and road games in California and Arizona for the Dodgers television home on Sportsnet LA. Well, what's he going to do? Well, according to Vin, he's going to be coming back to Dodger Stadium next year where he thrives on his friendships with longtime employees, including the elevator operator and press box security man, along with his off-the-air team in the booth and friends in the media. I really enjoy coming to the ballpark, not to see the players, but just to see friends. Uh, I've said this before. See Marie on the elevator. See James and Robert outside the press box. And then all the guys and girls in there, plus the crew that I work with. And to just collectively pick all these people up and say goodbye, because when I leave, I will leave. I, I will not be hanging around. Uh, it's really a monumental thought. How can I leave all these people? Whether you know me or not, you have meant a great deal to me over the years. Scully's doctor encouraged him to stay on the job because he still loves it, and his wife Sandy weighed in too, telling him she doesn't want him staying at home to babysit her. Giants pitcher Tim Linsken is done for the season thanks to surgery to repair his lingering hip injury. The surgery took place early this morning. Lincecum is set to become a free agent after the year, so having the surgery and getting back to anything close to his old self would go a long way towards securing another big payday. Perhaps he'll take a one-year show-me deal next year before attempting one last multi-year deal. He was 7-4 and four this year with a 4.13 ERA in 76 and a third innings. There are some big games coming up this weekend as far as the Major League Baseball standings are concerned. Some of the big series going on, Pittsburgh will be at St. Louis. That's a matchup between first and second place clubs. The Texas Rangers battling for a wild card spot will be in Los Angeles taking on the Angels, another team battling for that last spot in the wild card chase in the American League. The Twins and Astros will be playing this weekend in Houston. The Twins are going for a wild card berth while the Astros are trying to win the American League West and the Orioles will be in Toronto taking on the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are trying to win the division while the Orioles are trying to secure another wild card berth in the American League. Well, the Cleveland Cavaliers have re-signed shooting guard J.R. Smith, according to general manager David Griffin. Terms of the contract were not revealed per league and team policy, but earlier reports say the Cavs had agreed to a two-year deal with Smith for a little more than $10 million total. Billionaire Russian Mikhail Prokhorov is nearing a deal to buy all of the Barclays Center and the Brooklyn Nets from Bruce Ratner's Forest City employees. 
Prokhorov has been in talks to buy the 55% of the arena and 20% of the NBA team he does not already own. And do you need any more proof that Dwight Howard really thinks he's Superman? Oblivious from public ridicule and thinking he's above the law, Howard was detained at Houston's George Bush International Airport last Friday after officials found a gun in his handbag. And this apparently occurs with some frequency in Houston, but there's no word as to whether or not this is the first time for Howard. The Houston District Attorney's Office was contacted after Howard was detained and declined to press any criminal charges against him. Howard was allowed to board a later flight. Finally, Star Wars is coming out in December, but the version of the another Darth Vader football and movie fans want to see will be in another movie coming out around Christmas called Concussion. And what is going on in that? Well, Sony Pictures says that the movie starring Will Smith as Dr. Bennett Omalu, a neuroanthropologist who discovered CTE, which is a degenerative brain disease brought on by repeated head trauma, while performing an autopsy on Pittsburgh and Kansas City Hall of Famer Mike Webster, really spurred some criticism to the NFL and their brand. Fox Sports' Tamara Holder reports on this movie. From re-rise to Deflategate, will the public relations nightmares for the NFL ever end? And just when the league thought it was settling a class action lawsuit to make the concussions debate go away, Will Smith comes out with a movie called Concussion. Based on a true story, Smith, acting as a concussion doctor, finds claims to find a disease caused by repetitive head trauma that the NFL refuses to acknowledge. So how will the NFL deal with this bad press? Howard Kurtz, host of Media Buzz, joins me to discuss. Hey, Howie, how are you? Great, Tamara. All right, so the, the director of this movie, Concussion, Peter Landsman, says the movie wasn't made to take down the NFL, but to reveal the truth. Uh, how, how does that work out? How can you have it both ways? Well, it's certainly going to take on the NFL. And I could sit here and argue that all the facts in this movie and the case on which it's based, based on a true story, it says, are already known. But I won't because I've looked at the trailer. This is going to be a powerful movie. It's going to galvanize the public about this issue, not just those who go into the theaters to watch it, uh, but all the cable news segments and columns that are written about it. It's going to put this concussion issue front and center. It's going to be like a smack upside the head right, for and Roger Goodell. And the movie isn't even coming out until Christmas. This isn't just like some random Sundance movie. Uh, Will Smith is the main character. So... Because you're, I'm having you here because you're the media guy. How does the NFL publicly address this movie? They can't just wipe it under the rug. My prediction, badly. Uh, the NFL seems to have a serious problem when it comes to grappling uh, with these kinds of issues from a public relations standpoint. Uh, I mean, so far it seems to be ignoring the movie. Yes, of course, it's not out yet. But this is going to change the debate, I predict, because... The facts are not great for the NFL, given all the injuries that uh, some of its players have suffered over the years. And now to have this dramatized Will Smith, Alec Baldwin, it then becomes a cultural problem. It's not just a TV news report or episodic reports now and then. And the NFL is going to have to come up with some kind of PR strategy or it is going to get steamrolled by the popularity of this film. Well, I also want to point out the PR strategy of Sony uh, because they released the trailer exclusive, exclusively to Sports, Sports Illustrated Peter King. Um, and he's actually criticized as being a mouthpiece for the NFL. So 
I'm wondering, do you have an idea of what Sony was thinking by giving it to him first and him exclusively? Well, perhaps the feeling was that if a guy who is seen as kind of close to the NFL were to take this movie seriously, then that kind of sends a signal that we can all take it seriously. Also, Sports Illustrated is a pretty big platform if you're trying to blast this out to the sports world. Uh, it's kind of a surprising choice, but it has certainly um, helped put this on the radar, even though, as you say, the release date is still four months away. So how does the, the NFL manage this? They have until Christmas. They have a few months but everybody's talking about it already. What do they do, especially because this is coming out uh, on the heels of the settlement, the concussion settlement? Maybe with a better strategy than the NFL used in the Ray Rice case. Maybe with a better strategy than Did the NFL used. Did they have a strategy used. in the Ray Rice case? I don't no, that's strategy. my point. Or the deflate gate. I mean, the NFL seems tone deaf lately when it comes to public relations. I mean, you know, officials can argue that, yes, we've taken steps to address the problem and we did settle this case and all of that. But they've got to have people who are willing to go on TV, talk to sports writers, and, and get out in front of this and make a case. And based on the recent track record, I'm not sure the National Football League is, is up to the task. Well, everybody knows there's a code of silence in the NFL that a lot of reporters and writers, they don't, they don't like to touch the bad stuff with the NFL because they don't want to get, uh, they don't, they don't want to have problems with the league or, or ruin their, their information sources or their sources of information. So and, and do you think they're going to avoid it because of that reason? You know, there are some people who think that all the bad publicity the NFL has gotten in the last couple of years, whether it's over domestic violence, the Tom Brady uh, deflated balls fiasco, and all of that stuff, that it doesn't matter because every Sunday, millions and millions of people tune in to the NFL telecast or play fantasy football or whatever. I'm not in that camp. I think that over time, uh, league's image, even one as powerful as the National Football League, can erode from all these bad hits, if you will. But do you um, think they can just say, we're not going to address it because we're at the top. And when you're at the top, everybody wants to bring you down. So if we just don't address it, it will go away. And that's the best PR. I think that would be a monumentally dumb move. And if the NFL tries that, tries the stonewalling strategy, that will add to the insult to the injury because all the people who are going to be writing and talking about this film will say, and the NFL is blowing it off. And that would not be uh, good for Roger Goodell and his league. Concussion starting Will Smith will come out on Christmas Day. And that's going to do it for tonight. Don't forget high school football tomorrow night on Ultimate Sports Talk. It is Ridgewood at Waynedale. Patrick Mitchell and I will be on the air with the pregame show at 6.30. The kickoff is at 7. But before all that, Golden Bear Rewind begins at 6 o'clock here at Ultimate Sports Talk. And don't forget, coming up on Monday night, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Mark Donahue and I will be on the air at 9 o'clock with another Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Our thanks to Wanda Weidman of NFLfemale.com for being our guest here this evening and also our thanks to Greg Mitchell for producing tonight's show and our thanks to you most of all for listening. Football tomorrow night, Ohio Baseball Weekly on Monday night. I'll be back again next Thursday night with the Ultimate Sports Talk Show. Have a good week everybody. I'm Dave Mitchell. Good night. Good night.